Good morning. Anybody alive? If you're not alive by the end of this day, you can be alive in Jesus. You can be alive in the world, but it's not true life. It, it mimics itself as life, but it's not true life in terms of God's kingdom. And I want you to hopefully go away from here understanding how you can have some passion for God. I'm sure you have a passion. Sometimes we can have a passion and we can lose our passion and go through seasons you know, of being a little bit passionless. But I believe we can reignite that passion. I believe God wants us to have a passion for life. Amen? He wants us to have a passion when we get up on a Monday morning that we can't wait to get to work because I have a purpose and I have a plan and God sent me into that place. It's not just a job, but I have a purpose and it's clear that God has sent me into that place to be a light in this world. I'm not just going to work anymore. That's a world mindset. I'm here in the kingdom and I'm sent by the king to represent him and his values and his purpose and what he wants to say to people. Are you with me this morning? So if that rocks your boat, I want you to listen a little bit more because I want to speak about passion for one another. And I'm really speaking on passion because if you can get passion, the passion will flow to one another anyway. And uh, nothing gets done without passion. Would you agree? We went to uh, Liverpool the other week and we went to see the... uh, uh, Is somebody from Liverpool? One person? Was that a boo or was that a... Oh, he's a Liverpool fan. We'll move on from that. It's football. But um, we went to see the Terracotta Army. Has anybody ever seen it? You've seen them in, you've seen them in China, haven't you? Wow, I tell you what. I went, I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest. It was like, I think there was eight there. I was expecting an army. It was like a youth club of Terracotta soldiers. I'm like, what's that about? But we went and we saw it and I'm grateful what we did. And you know what? I thought, you know what? Some peop- somebody was passionate about what they believed. They, they created thousands of soldiers and buried them in a the ground, in a tomb, because they thought and believed that then, when they went to the next life, they could take all this stuff with them. So someone was passionate. There's a little baby crawling over there. I thought, I saw, I thought it was a mouse. <laughs> I actually thought there's a mouse in the room. And I thought, it's not, it's a baby. <laughs> but you know, somebody, I, I, I'm not saying we agree with that. But somebody was believed in it and was passionate enough to create thousands of terracotta life-size soldiers and to bury them in a tomb because they believe something. Nothing gets done unless we have passion. And I'm not saying if you believed in that or not, but I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus wants to give us a passion. We, want, we saw the terracotta army, then we went onto the, the, into the arbor in the Albert docks, and there was people who'd been sailing all around the world. The, great, the, the world clipper race. Has anybody watched it? Anybody into boats? No? Okay, I've lost you all now. Just stick with me. You're obviously not passionate about boats. But they'd sailed around the world on a boat. You know, that's a fair distance. Somebody had put the work in. They trained. They practiced. And I've still lost you. Are you still there? Okay, imagine, imagine being on a boat, right, for months on end and traveling around. Somebody was passionate about doing that and trained to get all around the world. And apparently it was the first woman that actually won it. The first lady that, what do they call when they... The skip it, right? He's got it. The skip it. See, we're not that passionate about boats either, <laughs> right? The skip was the first female skipper that won. That's a great achievement. But she was passionate and determined to get something done. Nothing gets done if there's no passion. You know, there's no passion in, there's no passion in the heart, then things aren't going to get done. If you're not passionate about life, then your job's going to seem like a job and a chore. You're not my friend anymore. When we talk work, we seem to go quiet. But God wants to give you a passion for life. You know, a passion for life, not just, 
you know, the things that you like, but actually a passion for life. So no matter where you go, you have a passion. You have a fire. You're ignited with something inside of you that says this thing won't go out. I'm here to live. I'm here. I'm here with a purpose. I know why I'm here. God has sent me in this world. But you know, sometimes we lose that passion. Jesus knew his disciples would lose the passion because he said to them, don't lose heart. In other words, you're going to go through seasons where you feel deflated. You go through seasons where you lose that enthusiasm. You know, the word enthusiasm is the Greek word entheos, in God, in God. See, true enthusiasm for life comes when we're in God. Entheos in God. Out of being in God comes enthusiasm for life. Are you still with me? So we get true enthusiasm in God. But there's times when we get the enthusiasm, but we seem to lose heart and an enthusiasm, and we lose passion, and we shrink back, and, and we, all of a sudden, we're not really up for life anymore because it's hard work. It wasn't what I expected. It wasn't the plan I had. Does anybody feel like that sometimes? You might be here this morning and think, I'm not really that passionate about God. Why don't I encourage you that God's passionate about you? And God wants to ignite something in you so you're passionate about him and passionate about life and about people so we can love people with his passion. See, Jesus said this when asked what the greatest commandment was. It says in Mark 12, 29 to 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your mind and all your strength. In other words, with all of your being, love God. In the message, it says, have we got the message up there? It says, love the Lord your God with all your passion. Love the Lord your God with all your passion. What you're passionate about. And prayer and intelligence and energy. And then love your neighbor as yourself. You see, Jesus knows where the source is. Jesus knows what we need in life. We need our hearts to be full of passion. We need our hearts to be full of love. And sometimes it isn't always full of love because things affect us and that passion can dwindle or shrink or we just feel a bit half-hearted about things. I've had times like that, you know, on this journey leading the church where things affected me. You know, you're having good days and you feel on top of the world and something happens and you feel like all the life is sapped out of you. Anybody else have that experience? You know, we, we don't have to be as scared of our emotions. We're emotional people. And out of our heart and out of our mind come our emotions. So God's given us emotions to enjoy life, but sometimes they get robbed from us because of what goes on. Colossians three twenty-three to 24 says, whatever you do, changing the baby's nappy, Eating food, going to work, going to school, going to college, hanging out with people. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. As unto the Lord, not unto men. So when, when, when we bounce in church, who are we bouncing for? I'm not bouncing for men. Who are we singing for? We're singing for God. When we're celebrating, Jesus liked to celebrate, did he not? Jesus hung around with tax collectors and prostitutes and had parties. 
And the religious people didn't like him. Oh no, we can't get too excited. Jesus was partying. Get the wine out, guys. See the water, bring it here. I'll turn it into wine. We'll have a party. This is Jesus celebrating. So we should be celebrating in church, should we not? Why were they celebrating? They were celebrating because the kingdom was coming. And those who didn't have ears didn't hear it and they didn't see it because they didn't see the king. They didn't know the king. They didn't recognize the king because they thought it was going to come in a different way. But the tax collectors who Jesus received and loved in all of their sin understand that something new was coming. There was a new way. There was a new life. And, there was, and they were exciting. They were celebrating that the kingdom was coming. How excited are you for the kingdom? How excited are you for God? How excited are you for a new thing in your life? How excited are you for the kingdom coming in your family and in your life? How excited are you? Are you celebrating what Jesus has done? Or are you still waiting for this doom and gloom that's coming, then the judgment of God? Or do you realize that Jesus has paid for the judgments? And we should be celebrating in church. We should be alive with a passion. We shouldn't be, oh, I, I'm worried about what people think of me. Well, you've got to go on a journey with that. The fear of man will rob you of life. I'm telling you, it's one of the robbers. The fear of what people think of you will rob you of life. Because you live your life trapped and conditioned by other people. You've got to find your identity in Christ. That I am loved. I am blessed. I am chosen. From the beginning of time, God chose Israel. And now he extended that blessing to Israel. Out of Israel to me, who was an outcast, who was a sinner, who was not wanted, who was lost. Now I'm in on the party. So this is who I am. I'm a child of God. And I live in the freedom of what God has done for me. Therefore, I will enjoy my freedom and I will celebrate in God. Not in the world, not what people think. I'm now in God and I'm in heaven and heaven has come to earth and now heaven is in me. Therefore, I want to shout about it. I'm not going to keep quiet about heaven. Heaven's here. Are you with me? But the problem is we've got another thing that's forcing us not to do that. It's called the world. And heaven collides with the world and the world says, I still have you. I am your owner. So you be scared about what people think. And heaven's trying to bombard into your heart and into your mind. And heaven's coming to earth and the world is trying to stop you, stop you bringing the kingdom. And Jesus says, the kingdom has come. The kingdom is in you. Receive my word. Receive my blessing. Receive my promises. Now walk in them and watch the kingdom outwork in and through you. But if you're fearful about what the world think, then you're never going to live a fulfilled life, I've got to be honest with you. And that is a journey. It took me till I was 27 years old to actually surrender my life to Christ and say, it's no longer mine, now it's yours. Tried my way, done it all, battered depressed, suicidal, had enough, I'm at the end of my rope, as it says in the message in the Beatitudes, chapter 5. When you get to the end of the rope, that's when you'll find Jesus. That's when you'll find who Jesus is when you realize you can't do it. And he'll ignite you with a new passion, a new heart, a forgiven heart, and you start all over again. And so often you're scared about what people think. I was scared for years wondering about what my mates think, so I didn't do it. And eventually I thought, you know what, I'm going to give up my mates and I'm going to move on. And I did it. And I'm glad I did it. So whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Romans 12 verse 9 says this. Never, I think they've got more up there. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. 
Never be lacking in zeal, passion, enthusiasm in God. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, when I read that, I realize I have to do something. I realize it's not automatic. Has anybody got an automatic car? I was going to say you're lazy, but that's not true. I'll take that back. No, it's quite nice driving an automatic car, but you don't have to change gears. You don't have to go up a level. You don't have to go down a level. You just put your foot on it, and it's automatic. Well, serving God isn't automatic. It doesn't just happen. That's why he says, keep your spiritual fever. Keep it. Don't let go of it. Don't just maintain it, but fill it. Find God. Maintain it. Keep it going. Put fuel on the fire. Don't let it go out. Because the times when it does go out, the fire dwindles down, and we feel like we can't keep coming to church anymore. Why? What's happening? The fire's going out. The heart's going low. You're moving away from God. You say, oh, God, God, God loves you, but you don't feel close anymore. You don't feel apart anymore. It's not God's fault. God hasn't changed. It's your responsibility to keep that fire burning. It's your responsibility to keep hold of that, that fire and that enthusiasm that you have for the Lord. And we'll look at how we get that back in a minute and where it comes from. But I want to look at, and by the way, I think we're okay in this world having passion for things like football or, or stamp collecting, whatever, whatever flicks your book. Whatever it is, karate, judo, whatever it is, clipper racing, there's obviously none in here, you know, farming, whatever it is, we're all right, talk about that, we're all right when the goal goes in, jump up and go, get in there, but when it comes to God, oh no, we're not going to shout about that, I'm not going to shout about that, what will people think about me, see the world still has you. Fear of what people think still has you. This is the greatest gift that's ever been given to man. God himself has given his life for you, and you don't want to shout about it. There's eternity with God. There's a forgiveness of sins for a generation that's going to be lost in the darkness of what, this, what, what Satan has brought into this world, and we're not going to shout about it. I'm just being honest with you. I've got to be honest, I'm a bit of an evangelist, I've realized, because I just want to tell people about Jesus, right? I, I've got some good news, and I want to tell you about it. There's forgiveness of sins. I, I will, I'll go on holiday, I'm going on holiday next week. Sarah knows what's coming. <laughs> Somebody needs to know about Jesus there, because they may have that one opportunity, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to be sensitive, I'm going to listen, but I'm not afraid of the gospel. I'm not afraid of telling them about who God is and what God's done in my life, because it's real. I can't deny it. I'm not guessing it, and maybe I'm not. it's actually happened. God has redeemed and transformed me and changed my heart and changed my life. So I'm going to have to tell someone about it, about this amazing God. Or I'm going to be Stoke Top. We'll talk about Stoke. What, where are you from, mate? What football team? We'll talk that. But what about Jesus? What about talking about Jesus? What about going work, talking about Jesus? I don't know what this means, but going about Jesus. Like, this is Jesus, right? I've never represented Jesus in a, on a finger like this. For those listening online, I'm wiggling my finger. Jesus, okay? This is your little finger. Jesus is going everywhere with you. Tell people, don't point your finger at people, right? But do you understand what I'm saying? Why don't we? Because we're scared about what people think. 
Do unto the Lord, not to people. So, shall we move on? But you know, sometimes we lose heart. I've lost heart several times. I've been down. I've been almost in bouts of depression. And I've been in leadership. And you think, why is this happening to me? Why do I feel so discouraged? Why do I feel so hurt? Why do I feel... You know, and if we're not careful, it can rob us of the joy and the passion for serving God. You know, I don't want to bother anymore. They don't bother anymore. Why should I? I've done it for too long now. Why keep going? Why keep coming to church? And there are some things I want to talk about that can actually rob us of our passion, passion killers or thieves. Is that okay? And if we're aware of these and the antidote, the solution for them, which is Jesus and his teachings, then we can maintain that spiritual fervor. We can maintain that passion and that enthusiasm through all different circumstances, ups and downs in life. We can maintain this passion for God so that we don't fade off and we don't leave church or leave loving people. We actually maintain it and we keep going and we see the church being built up as the body of Christ. So here's seven things to watch out for. The first one is this, an unbalanced diary. Unbalanced diary or an unbalanced schedule. You think, and I think this is the number one. This is probably the most important one because if you look at what you do, that'll tell you about what you're passionate about. If I go to your bank account and check where your money's gone, we can find out what you're passionate about. Does that make sense? That's what you love doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can easily see where your money goes. You love food. Yeah, each month you go, we're not spending any on food this month. I'm not passionate about it. You do. You go, right, in the schedule this month, we're going to buy food because we love food. And God wants us to be healthy, so we'll buy food. But we'll have a little bit more food than we should. <laughs> Just that little gato cake there won't do any harm. Everybody else does it. But, you know, if you check your life, you check if you are balanced or not. Sarah's going to love this because she loves the word balance. She loves balance. Are you a balanced person? Is your schedule balanced? Are you looking after yourself as well as looking after other people? Or do you spend all of your time chasing around looking after others, yet you don't take care of yourself? That's why Jesus put it in there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, but also the balance in this is loving people. You can't just love God without loving people. There's balance in it. You can't just love people, but don't actually love God because loving God loves you, which brings and makes you whole and full of life. So what's your schedule like? Are you investing in you? Are you spending time feeding your spirit? Are you spending time fellowshipping with people, getting around people who have a passion are going to do you good? Are you spending time reading the scriptures so that the, the word of God, Jesus, can speak to you through this and tell you who you really are? Or do you spend all your time reading this, but do nothing else? Does that make sense? It's about balance. So if you look in the book of Acts, it says they met together, they had fellowship together, they prayed together, okay, they broke bread together, they did these things because they knew they were healthy for them, they were balanced, it made them right. So it wasn't just all hang out, hang out, hang out. No, we need the word of God in here, guys. We need to, we need to have balance in this. The schedule needs to be balanced. Your schedule needs to be balanced. 
Because if it's not, you'll get drained, you'll get tired, you'll get exhausted because you've not put that spiritual discipline in your life where you're investing in you as well as investing in others. You can invest all of you and sap it all up and, you know, become spiritually full and know it all, but nothing's going out. Does that make sense? So, I don't know if that's like you. I don't know where you're at on that. You may say, actually, I'm, I'm quite good on that one. I'm actually giving out, but I'm also taking in and looking after myself. I don't know. That's for you to answer and think on by the end of this message. You see, Psalm 127 says this. In verse 1 and 2, it says, I'll read from verse 2 further down. It says, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late. Does anybody like going to bed late? I, met with some, I know somebody who's in you. I met, spoke to this week and they said they go bed late. So this, please don't take offense at this. Here's the deal, right? It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he, God, enjoys giving rest to those he loves? You work, 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 yet you don't look after yourself and have rest. You don't do something you want to do, like go for a meal, because you feel bad about that because it's, you know, it's all about other people. No, 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 it's about you. God wants to give you rest and enjoyment in life, so you've got to have a balanced diet. You have too much of something, it's too much. You don't have enough of something, it's not enough. Are you having enough of God, and are you outworking that practically because that will fulfill you and satisfy you. Like Jesus said, this is bread. There's bread to me that you don't know that the Father knows that I do. In other words, I'm satisfied that I read the word and I apply it in my life. And I'm content with that and satisfied. Jesus is my source. Jesus is my bread. I'm applying the word of God, not just being a hearer. So an unbalanced diary. 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 says, Don't waste time arguing over foolish ideas and silly myths and legends. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Oh, gone quiet. There's nothing wrong with doing stuff. There's nothing wrong with going out. There's nothing wrong with, you know, living a life. But are you keeping spiritually fit? Because it's the number one thing in theos, in God, is where enthusiasm, real life, comes from. He's the source of life. And if we're not keeping spiritually fit, we're not going to be a kingdom builder. We're not going to be a life source for others because we've tipped one way and we've not balanced it out. Sarah's loving this. I'm going to get brownie points on this. You know? And then we wonder why we don't feel close to God because we've not applied his principles and we're just tipping one way and we think, this isn't working, I'm tired. And then I think, I don't want to come to church anymore because all I've done is give, 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 give. Well, that's fair enough, but God says, I want to invest in you as well, as well as you give, give, give. So when we ask people to volunteer, we always ask people to write on a form so we know how many things they're serving on. So we can check as pastors that we're not asking too much of people. That's right. So let's go on to the next one. So an unbalanced diary or schedule. The second one is this, an unused talent. Jesus taught on talents not being used in the parables. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each of you 
Everyone in, of you in here has been given something by God. Each of you has been blessed with one of God's wonderful gifts. We like that, don't we? You ready? To be used in the service of yourself. To be used in the service of others. You know, some of you young people, you, you probably don't know what your gift is yet. You're trying to work out who you are in life. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to, you know, wear the thing, right? God has given you a gift in life, and you will find out what that gift is, is you use what you've got and do your best. And as you use that gift, you'll feel satisfied that you are using what God has given you. And it's not just for yourself. It's to help others. And you've got to explore that. You've got to look at yourself and think, what am I good at? What do I like doing? We've got any teachers in here? You went into school thinking, I want to love working with kids. And then everything else got put on top of you. And you start thinking, why did I come into this job? And you think, what was I doing? Remind yourself, you have a gift to work with kids. You have a gift to work with kids. And many of you have gifts to work where you're working. You have a gift of administration, maybe. You have a gift of leadership. You have a gift of business and making money. You, ha you have gifts that God has given you so that you can help his kingdom grow and help others. But you know, sometimes if we're not using that gift, we feel a little bit sad. We feel a bit, I don't know really if this is where I should be. And Does anybody feel like that? I was teaching in a school for 10 years and I knew it wasn't my primary gift. I love kids and I love working with kids. But I was not, I was, my primary gift was not administration. Okay, organization. If, if teachers are here, you understand that you have to organize and admin. You're talking to someone who's not his gift. So I had to wrestle through that and felt like, I can't do this. And at times I felt stupid because all these other people just went, did, 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 and it was organized. Do you know those people? You're like, how did you do that in like three seconds when it's taken me three hours and I still can't work it out? Does anybody like that? You see those people? Because they have a gift to do that and I don't have that gift. I can learn those skills, but I don't have that gift. And it wasn't until I actually came into here that I realized, actually, that wasn't my gift. This is my gift. And for some of us, we have to transition. We think, have a look at ourselves. Are we happy doing what we're doing? Am I using my gift? Are you satisfied that you're helping others with the gift of God on your life? Because if you are, you'll be satisfied. If you're not, you'll be a little bit sad that you aren't doing and using what God has given you. And we'll never be, I wrote this down, we'll never be 100% content that we're using the gift. We never will. You think, ah, oh, this is my gift. I feel amazing in this place. Well, if that's fine, then your reliance, your faith is on your gift, not on God. Does that make sense? So many of us think, oh, I want to do this and do that, and that makes me feel satisfied. Yet it is, but be careful. Your character and your heart and your spirit is more important than your gift and your talent. And, it, and if it's focused on your gift and it doesn't work, then you think, well, I can't use my gift anymore. Then I'm no use. That's not true. Contentment is found in theos, in God. And God loves you irrelevant of your gift or not. God didn't love you for your gift. He gave you gift because he loved you, and he loves others for you to use it. He loved you first when you were a sinner. So don't focus too much on your gift, but look at your gift and think, am I using it and can I outwork it? You'll never find 100% satisfaction in your gift because otherwise you'll leave no room for Jesus Christ who's the source and the lover of your heart and the lover of your soul. So 
Let's move on from that one then. The next one is unconfessed sin. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> unconfessed sin. It's one that robs us in our lives. I think it's the biggest robber of joy. Any joy in here? Anybody ever done anything wrong? You know it's wrong. Did you feel joyful about it? How did you feel about it? You felt shame. You felt the guilt. And sometimes these things happen to us. Let's be honest. People don't walk in here this morning and go, I'm a sinner. I'm full, I'm full, I'm full of sin. I'm guilty. I know I am. We don't. It doesn't work like that. We do something wrong, and then we, we put it on the back burner, and we move a little way from it, and we look around, and we see somebody else, or he read about somebody else doing the same thing, so we go, yeah, it's all right. I can keep doing that. I can sleep with whoever I want outside of marriage. Other people do it. I can behave like that. I can do what I want. And we justify it, and we leave it there. Where actually God says, no, that's not the standard I want for your life, Paul. I understand, I understand you, you know, that's how other people live. But that's not where I'm calling you to live now. So I want you to look at yourself and look at my word and follow me. And confess your sin, it says to me. And I will forgive you. Because what happens is it numbs us. It robs our joy. We don't feel that we can praise. We don't feel good enough because of how we're feeling in our hearts because of the sin that's there. But the great news is, it says in 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, this is the good news, if we confess our sins, he, God, can be trusted. How awesome is that? If we confess our sins, God's no longer going to judge me, but he's going to forgive me. So I've got nothing to hide. I can come as I am, and I can ask for forgiveness. So if we confess our sins, God can be trusted to forgive our sins and cleanse us. Woo! Anybody want a new heart? God can cleanse you. And listen, if you think, well, I'm okay, I'm forgiven, there's no sin in my life. If you carry on reading, it gives a warning. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out. Who's that? God. We make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We will sin. We will make mistakes. We're not perfect. That's what we do. But the Bible says if we come to God, this is what happens, right? When we sin, the devil likes to put things on us and accuse us that we're not good enough. Now, that's not the truth. The truth is God loves us. We're his child. We're accepted. We're forgiven. But we have to turn away from sin and turn to God, and he forgives us like the prodigal who comes back to the father. He accepts us with a love. He may have done shameful things. He may have, you know, used bad language. He may have slept with whoever. He may have wasted him. He may have dishonored his father and his mother. And there may be hurt and pain. But if we come to God and say sorry and repent, God accepts us and receives us. But if we think we never sin, we're foolish and we fool ourselves. The Bible says there's no condemnation in God. So if you're condemning yourself, that is not from God. That is the world's ways. It's the way of the world. That it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a mindset of the world that's told us we have, to, we have to make ourselves right with God. Well, it's not true. God makes us right with him. 
So we come to him in humility and we accept his forgiveness. We recognize we are sinners. Ooh, that gives us entry because we've fallen short of his glory. So are you ready for the next one? Unresolved conflict. I don't know about you, but have you ever got up in the morning and you feel great? It happens now and again, doesn't it? Have you ever gone for, I'm up for the day. We're going on holiday on Friday and I feel on top of the world. Anybody like that? Or I'm having a new car. I feel alive. Come on, let's be a bit shallow now, right? We've gone deep. Let's get shallow again. Right? Let's get back out the deep end. Get, in the, get our armbands on. Yeah? Yeah? We're all trying to swim, aren't we? We haven't got it together yet, right? We're all trying to hold the breath. Put red under the water, but we're dead, right? We're all trying to paddle, right? Here's the deal. You get up and you feel great. Stoke a plane at the weekend. Can't wait. So excited. Or I'm going that evening. Can't wait. Or the school holidays are here. No longer teaching. Wow. I feel amazing. It's like heaven's hit the earth. No, it hasn't. You've just got a little bit of freedom in that responsibility for a little bit. But here's the deal, right? Get up in the morning and like, me and Sarah will have a fallout. Yes, it does happen now and again. It's usually me that's in the wrong, I'll admit. You know, when you say something, you regret saying. Or is it just me? It's just like, it comes off my tongue. I'm like, oh, I know I'm right and she's wrong. And then you go out this amazing day and this amazing week that you got, you know, all of a sudden goes like, it's like someone popped the balloon. And you feel like there's nothing in you. Has anybody had that? You know, my girls are like, they're masters at it. They just like, they say things and, you know, they annoy me. They don't mean to. They just, and, and I annoy them and I say something and I feel cut to the heart and I feel terrible. And then I go out and I, and I go work and I'm like, my day looks so good. But all of a sudden it's like, it's like the end of the world. I'm going on holiday, but I'm not even bothered about my holiday anymore. I'm on the six-week holidays, but I'm not bothered because I'm just, just deflated. Does anybody get like this? Why? Because it takes the life out of us. Because we're not at peace with someone. And we live with this in our hearts that actually we know we need to address. Sometimes it's more serious than that and we get really angry. And we resent them. And it sits in there. Job 5 verse 2 says, resentment kills a fool. Is there any fools? Anybody ever been a fool? <laughs> I've been a fool. Resentment kills the fool. It says, and jealousy kills the simple. You see, when we take on that pain and when we take on that heartache or what somebody says, offense, what happens is it goes with us. And usually the person who's moved on's moved on and we haven't. So we carry it as a dullness within us for many years, unforgiveness. Sometimes we don't even know it's there, but we just know we're struggling with the passion. It's not quite there. There's like a ceiling or a limitation on my life because I'm holding on to something. What's the answer? You know the answer. It's forgiveness. It's forgiving them. Yeah, but you don't realize what they did to me. I know, but you're the one who's going to carry the unforgiveness, not them. You have a responsibility. You have the choice. You have the choice to have a passion for God. And Jesus says, forgive them like I have forgiven you. 
So if I'm a follower of Jesus and Jesus says, forgive them, forgive your enemies like I have forgiven them. Jesus knows it's a good principle, principle to apply in your life to keep your heart on fire and passion for him. But you're going to have to forgive people. So I'll go back in and I'll say to Grace or Sarah, I'm sorry I was a numpty. I don't say that, you know, I'll say, I'm sorry, I was an idiot. You know, I say sorry and model that to, to Grace and model it to Olivia because I'm not perfect and I get it wrong. And what that does is it models the way, but also I'm now at peace with Grace. I've forgiven her and hopefully she'll forgive me and that's her choice, I can't make it. You can't make the people who offend you forgive you. You can't make them to change. You can only make your choice to forgive so that you're at peace with God and doing what God says and you're at peace with other people even though they may not be at peace with you. That is right. Just because Jesus came and forgave everybody doesn't mean they forgave him. Doesn't mean they, they chose to accept the forgiveness of God. Job 18 verse 4 says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. In other words, it goes with you. And again, the answer is forgiveness. If anybody had opportunity to hold on to resentment, it was Job. You know, it's an amazing model for us to follow. Jesus is the best one. And the next, better get, a bit, better get moving. The next one is an unsupported lifestyle. You think, what's that about? The Bible says two are better than one. Yeah? So if I fall down, there's someone to pick me up. Is that good? It's wisdom. In other words, I'm not doing this journey on my own. How supported is your life? Have you got people around you? Have you got a small group that you're in that when you're having a bad week encourages you? Because it can correct you with the word of God to say, actually, you've just been led by your emotions, not by not doing what's right. So can I, can I guide you on this? Can I be there for you? Is there someone when you're in sin can come and love on you and, and show the forgiveness of God? Have you got that support network around you? It's called the church. It's called the body of Christ and we should all be here for one another. It's just a point. There's a pattern when we don't have that, we easily fall away. We, we move back. We stop serving. We don't talk about God. And we justify it because we haven't put that support in us and around us that can correct us. And the next one is an unclear purpose. Why are you here? Good question. All the philosophers want to sit around and talk about it all day, right? But why are you here? You're here because you have a purpose. God has given you a purpose, but sometimes we don't realize what our purpose is and we get lost in all the haze and all the pain and all the disappointment and we have to go back to why I'm here. Why are you here? You're here to love God. You're here to worship God. You're here to fellowship with the body of Christ. You're here to use your gift and your talent. You're here to be sent on a mission to tell people about Jesus. This is why you are here. And sometimes we get lost and we lose heart because we've been hurt or things happen. We have to go back to our purpose and remember, I have a purpose. I am chosen. I am accepted. God has a plan for my life. You know, you know, what that does is it takes the focus off me and it puts the focus on something bigger than me. Does that make sense? There's a bigger purpose for me. God is bigger than me. He has a plan that's bigger than me. 
So I need to look at what God's plan is and God's purpose is for my life, not just what I want for my life. I'm a part of the body. I'm a part of a, of, of a plan that God has to send me to be salt and light into this world. Do you know your purpose? If not, remind yourself of the purposes over your life. And the last one is an undernourished spirit. You know, we can, this makes us shrink back when our spirit is lost heart. When there's almost nothing in there and we feel like we can't go on. We've been disappointed, we've been hurt, we've been, things didn't go our way. Or there's the fear is in there that traps us doing anything, stops us doing anything. Because it's not been filled with God's spirit yet. And it's not set us free from our fears. So fear traps us and our hearts take on the fear rather than by faith trusting in God. So we have an undernourished spirit because we've not yet broke through from that. Because we've not yet surrendered that to the lordship of Jesus Christ and brought it under his authority. So we're still controlled by fear or the pain or the disappointment. So our spirit shrinks back when we get opportunity. Are you still with me? So how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that undernourished spirit? Well, we look at the things I've said and you look and think, am I doing that? Am I putting a plan? Is my schedule balanced? Am I doing the things on here? Am I forgiving people? Do I know what my purpose is? Well, sometimes you can do all those things and they don't work. I've done them. Have you done them? So we go back to the source, the lover of our soul, the lover of our heart, the one who's more passionate about us than he is about toffee crisps. He's passionate about you more than you realize. Psalm 107 says this, verse 43. Good people see this and are glad. This is where our joy comes from. Bad people are speechless, stopped in their tracks. Are we ready? If you are really wise, you'll think this over. Is anybody wise? No, someone's just gone, no. Okay, we're all fools, but do you want some wisdom? Do you want the wisdom to get the passion, to get the source, to get it alive, to ignite your heart so you get up on a Monday morning and go, this is why I'm alive? Do you want that? His name is Jesus. It says, if you are really wise, you'll think over this. Remind yourself, what did Jesus do? Do this in remembrance of me. Broken bread, blood shed is for you because I love you. Do this in remember. Remember that I love you. Remember that I died for you. What does he say? If you are really wise, you'll think over these things. It's time you appreciated God's deep love. It's the love of God, the depth of God's love that revives our heart. It will wash our sins. It will set us free. It will conquer our fears. It will break us out of our bondage because the depth of God's love is greater. And we have to remind ourselves because we forget. Because life happens. And we have to go back to Jesus, the source of life. The one who said, I see that you're lost. I see you're hurting. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Band, come up. You want to come up? Get ready. I see, but I'm not giving up on you. 
and I'm coming. And I'm going to drink the cup, the pain, the disappointment, the sin of this world. I'll take it on. And they took him and they beat him 39 times with a whip that had stones and bones. And every time they hit him, it bruised a line down his back. Eventually, it would have torn his skin. And it made a stripe down his back. 39 times he was hit. That's the maximum you could hit somebody. You hit them 40 times, they died. So Jesus took on the maximum pain for you. 39 times over his back, beaten. And then he took the cross and he carried it with a little help. And he was fastened to the cross. Nails in his hands. Not nice, smooth B&Q nails. Polished ones. Rough. This was for you. This was for me. And they fastened him to that cross. And they put wood so he could relieve the pressure because he was suffocating because you can't breathe when you hang. You've got pains in your hands. This is no splinter. <laughs> this is no paper cut. <laughs> this is brutality. Hanging on a cross, suffocating, trying to hold his weight. How long could he hang there? Legs keep going. Then they came to break his legs, it said. And he was already dead. Why? Because he loves you. That's the depth he would go for you. Take on the pain, forgive you, love you. And it says they pierced his side. And as they pierced his side, it says water came out, mixed with blood. His blood was poured out for you. His love was like a river flowed out for you. And, then, and some scientists say that the reason the blood was mixed with the water was because there was a broken heart on that day. There was a broken heart for you. So that your broken heart could be healed. Your broken heart could be revived. You could find contentment in the depth of God's love. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle and I realize I have to go back to the cross. I have to go back to Jesus and recognize that he loves me. Where are you this morning? Maybe some of those things that you need to address in your life so that you have a passion again. Or maybe you just need to come to Jesus this morning who offers the forgiveness of sin, offers you a new start. He asks you to turn away from the life you're living and come and follow him. It's not an easy walk, but it's a better walk. It's a walk that he wants to walk with you and offer you eternity with him. Church, let's stand we're going to sing a song. It's about the cross. And I want you to think on the things I've said this morning and talk to God. Ask the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence here on earth, to speak to you. To guide you in what you need to do in order to keep that fire burning, all that start, that passion all over again. You talk to God as we sing this song. And may God minister to you by His Spirit.